Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Change With Him Real Raw Redeemed podcast with Sarah as your host. That is moi. Uh, I had to laugh this morning because when I got home from yoga, uh, my dog was in the crate and I don't prefer to crate him, but I need to crate him because he's what I call a bad boy sometimes. <laughs> he's a little territorial when it comes to different things. And there's a period in my life where I I didn't want him. I hated having him. I had my, my soul dog before. And this is so funny because it all ties back to the narcissist. So many things do. Um, in, in our lives. And when we see that everything is, is perfectly divinely planned, uh, by him, not the narcissist, by him, by the big man, by the one, the one who makes the greatest difference in your lives. And we can look back and say that the narcissistic relationships we had and went through made a big difference in our lives. And, and they did. And, the biggest difference they make is when we turn away from God, when we turn away from him because of the pain that we're in. And it's funny because his bad boy, <laughs> I look back and I see uh, the narcissist uses our kindness. They use our, our, our openness against us. And, and the beauty is when you stay with God, he turns all bad things for good. He works all bad things for his good. There's nothing God can't work with or use to be a part of his divine plan for your life. And I love this. And, and so I, I had this dog. Uh, when I when I divorced the first narcissist, he kept both the dogs, and he knew that would kill me because I had a very close relationship with our dogs, and that was one of the first things I shared three weeks later when I hopped on Plenty of Fish, and I swiped, and I met the second narcissist, my daughter's dad, uh, in the getting to know each other stages and phase of the beginning of the relationship and the love bombing phase. In the honeymoon stage, uh, I opened up and I shared everything. And I shared about my pain uh, from the ex keeping the dogs and how I knew he did that to hurt me, to be vindictive. And so when shit started getting really bad very quickly in that relationship, uh, one of the ways he used to hook me in was through getting a dog. Let's go to the Humane Society. Let's go look at the dogs. Uh, you're, and I, I was living in a place in the time I was living in a home where each girl, it felt like a halfway house. It wasn't, but it felt like it was. There was five or six bedrooms. Um, I was on the main floor and then there was a basement and there were a couple girls living in the basement. I think three and I think three girls living upstairs. Each girl had her own room. And I said, well, I would love to have a dog, but I can't where I'm living now. And he was living in an apartment and they could have small dogs. And he said, well, I know how much you want a dog. I know how, you know, went off about how horrible the ex was um, to make it seem like he wasn't just as horrible, if not more horrible <laughs> in many, 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 many ways. Uh, and said, I, I know that you can't have a dog where you're staying. So I because I love you so much, I will get the dog and, and the dog can live with me. And then you can just come over all the time. And, and where you work, where I was working at the time was about 12 to 15 minutes away from my work. He said, you can stop by my place on your lunch break every day and you can spend time with your dog. And then on the way home, you can stop by and you can spend time with your dog. Do you see how this was a hook to get me to move in with him? And I, 
internally, I had this instinct and this intuition that said no, but oh my gosh, we, we just went to look, right? <laughs> if anyone has ever done that, you know, you're not going to just look, you're coming home with a dog. And, and so we got this dog, uh, he got this dog for me, right? But it was my dog, but it could stay at his place because he, he was just trying to paint the himself as the source of of healing and love and this space where this dog could be. And, and so I did fall in love with this dog. And then I did eventually move in with him a few months later. And the dog was the reason. And I thought, well, I want to be with the dog more. And the dog started peeing and destroying the apartment. And, and so um, right around that time is when I bought my own house and I was going to live in the house. And part of the reason was I, I wanted a space for the dog. I wanted the dog to have a doggy door in a backyard and not be crated all day. And the dog <laughs> destroyed, peed all over the apartment. We, we tried to crate it and the dog was in the crate in the kitchen and the, the crate was up against the wooden, um, cabinets and would move like trying probably trying to fight to get out of the crate did a few times we ended up nicknaming him Houdini and that's actually what his paperwork said at the Humane Society and that's the reason why his previous owners got rid of him is because he would he would escape and make his way out of anything and he did escape many many times out of the crate in the kennel and we would just come home the apartment would be destroyed pee all over it the the pee pad thing just shredded and um, had moved the crate against the cabinets so much so that like the top line of the cabinets from where the metal on the crate was rubbing against it just destroyed them. And he said, I, I'm not going to pay to replace all these cabinets in this apartment because of your dog. Of course, when it was a time of trouble, the dog became mine and not his. And uh, so I started looking for a home and I found a townhome and I, I had a little backyard for the dog and a doggy door. And I felt so much better about that. I felt like it, he would be so much happier in a, a home where he could freely go in and out. And, and so we did that. And then of course the narcissist convinced me to let him move in with me and he would pay the rent because it was cheaper than what he was paying for the apartment that my dog at that time destroyed so fast forward, I fell in love with this dog. He was my soul dog. And and fast forward even more, in an argument one time, he, he was a runner. He was a tiny little chihuahua mix and he was a runner and he loved running. He loved, he was my, my soul dog. We'd, we'd constantly all the time find ourselves in the mountains off leash, getting lost on the, on the days that dogs were allowed to go explore off leash, even or odd days, whatever it was then. And we would just go on hikes forever. He could go forever. Go, 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 go. I don't know where he got this energy. He had so much of it. But he was my therapy dog, my soul dog, the one that I would go out and connect with and, and just free myself from all the craziness of the toxicity in the relationship. But he was bad. He was a bad dog. He, he would pee, he would chew up stuff, and he would destroy stuff. And so like two years later, it was shortly after my daughter was born and he wasn't getting as much exercise. We weren't going to the mountains. We weren't hiking as much because when you have a newborn and you're basically doing it all by yourself and you're in the midst of such an abusive, emotionally unavailable, toxic relationship, you're barely, you're just trying to keep it together and you 
feel like you barely are. You're holding on by a thread. So the poor dog didn't get as much exercise. And so one day we came home and the screen door was open. I'm carrying in the groceries. I'm carrying in the car seat, the, all the stuff. My arms are full completely. Um, dog runs out, runs down the street and, and the narcissist runs after him to quote unquote, catch him. You don't catch a dog like this and they think you're playing. And so if you go after them, they run away from you. And it's a little game that he would play. And if you left him alone, if you came inside, he had this like, Hey, where'd you go? Why'd you leave me alone? <laughs> this isn't fun. And he would go pee on a couple trees and bushes in the neighborhood and then come back. And this particular day, the narcissist decided to quote unquote, go get him. And that was one of the hardest days of my life. As the narcissist went to go get him, he ran, my little dog ran and he ran behind a neighbor's house under the fence. And there was a major road there. Uh, it was two or three lanes going each way, both sides. And the dog ran across the street. And when the dog ran across the street, the narcissist came back in, of course, screaming and yelling at me that my dog ran across the street. And I said, you know that, you know, if you chase him and you run after him, he runs away from you. And you know, if you don't, he just returns home. We got into a huge argument, but in my soul, I knew what that meant. The moment you stop chasing him, he turns around and comes back. And I just knew before I even knew. So I immediately got in my car because I can't squeeze under a tiny fence or a hole <laughs> through the fence. So I had to get in my car and drive around the neighborhood. And before I even left my neighborhood, I looked across, there was a big, huge field behind my house. And I saw two cars stopped in a blanket on the ground. And I fucking lost it. I lost it. And I drove up there, just tears in my eyes. And the lady said, is he yours? I'm so sorry. It happened so fast. And I wasn't mad at her. I was so mad at him. I was so mad at the narcissist. He had just killed my dog. If it weren't for him doing that, he wouldn't have died that way. And she said, if it's any comfort to you, it was instant. And sadly, that was comforting how instant it was. But it was still so hard. And the narcissist didn't care. I mean, he cried, but I knew they weren't true, pure, genuine tears of sadness. It was, you're going to be mad at me. Just, it was so hard. I never, ever had a dog go up that way. And it was a really, really hard way to have my dog, my love, before my daughter go out. He was like my, I loved him so, 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 so much. And so I had to process the grief and the loss of that. And I didn't want another dog after that. <laughs> My daughter wasn't even, I think she was a year, just over a year when that happened. And of course, the relationship was never good, but it led to huge blow up arguments and saying, it's not my fault. You can't blame that on me. And I was like, oh God, 
I'm so done. I'm so done. Like everything just continues to get worse with you around. So that was just in the spring. And in the summer, he was gone the entire summer, the narcissist was. And and so it was my daughter and I, a lot alone. And that fall, we went to a park. And it was interesting how God works all things for our good. We went to the library because they had story time, whatever day it was, a Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday morning. And the story time for whatever reason wasn't happening that day. And so we went across the street to the park and there was a lady who had a two-year-old. She had this tiny little puppy. He was only a couple months old who looked exactly like my my dog who I had just lost looked like if he would have been a puppy. And then she was also pregnant eight months. And we just got to talking because my daughter saw her holding the leash and said, puppy, 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 and went up and like grabbed the leash from the lady's hands. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Um, and I told her the story about how we had lost our dog months before. And she said, oh my gosh. And she said, I don't, my husband doesn't want me to have this dog. We're in an apartment right now. We're building a home. We've obviously got a two-year-old, a brand new puppy who I just got from the Humane Society. I'm obviously having a baby in a few weeks now. And this puppy is not potty trained. And it he he pees all over. And uh, oh my gosh, so we're actually looking for a home for him. And I thought, no, no. Why did you have to say that? Because my daughter had taken the leash, run away with it, and was just yelling, puppy, 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 puppy. And her son, the two-year-old, saw my daughter run away with this puppy and was like, my puppy, my puppy, my puppy, running and chasing after my daughter. And meanwhile, I'm standing there talking to the mom about uh, she can't keep this dog, but she just got him. She said, I don't know what it was, the hormones or whatever from the pregnancy, but my husband wanted him gone yesterday. And I said, oh my gosh. So of course my hurting, grieving, healing heart is opening up to, she's like, I can't, I just don't have the heart to take him back to the Humane Society where I got him from. And I thought, are you kidding me? And at that time, I didn't have a close relationship with God, but I was like, God, no, 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 no. I don't want another dog. I don't want another dog. Meanwhile, the ex-narcissist for a couple of years, we had had this other dog who was just so protective and vicious and would like rip open other dogs if if they came near our house. We had just had an incident where the the she had bit the FedEx delivery guy. She had ripped open another dog in our neighborhood. The dog had to have some 40 something stitches and be quarantined in my house for 10 days. And the ex-narcissist was gone, not taking responsibility for any of that. So we've got that dog at home too. And I've been trying to get him to take her and of course, oh, I will, I will, I got to do this first. And this, my, my boy's got to do this for me first. And I'm like, oh my gosh, just too much. And I'm thinking, I don't want this dog, but I couldn't, I felt like, oh my gosh. And he was so fucking cute. So, so, so cute. He literally fit in the palm of my hand. He was adorable. And he looked exactly like the dog that I had lost that spring. So... I say, we'll take him. (laughs) 
She was like, oh my God, really? I'd be so grateful. She said, you know, I've, and I said, how much do you want for him? And she said, no, I just want him to go to a good home. We literally have had him for two weeks, but he's not potty trained. He's not housebroken. We've tried, we've been working on it, but I've got his crate. I've got his puppy pad. I've got his food. I've got a leash. I've got his papers. I've got everything. He's up to date on his shots. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so we... I, I tell this lady I'll follow her home. And here's the crazy thing. She lived a half an hour away from me. And so I just, I say, okay, I'll put, I'll just follow you. She said, just follow me. I'll give you everything. And, you know, we've got two-year-olds and they need to take naps and stuff like that. So I followed her to her apartment, uh, but I, I didn't, I didn't get her information. I just said, okay, I'll follow you. I think we're ready to wrap up being at the park and I'll follow you. We'll get the dog and and then we'll just go on our lives. And we're like, okay, that sounds great. So as I'm following her, we're running, you know, we're driving and, and we hit a red light and she, she goes through the green and the yellow and I have to stop. And, and so I kind of know where she lives. She told me the apartments that she lived in. There's the key, there's apartments, but I didn't get her address. So as we get separated in traffic, I look up the apartments. There's a ton of construction around her apartment. So one of the entry points is gated off, is blocked, and I can't get through it. So I'm looking up these apartments. There's actually another set of apartments right across the street from them. I'm like, okay, which one is it? And and meanwhile, it's like 30 minutes later because I'm driving around these apartments. I don't have this lady's phone number and I'm trying to get this dog and I know our kids have to go to sleep and I'm thinking, okay, this, this lady probably thinks I'm not coming. So uh, maybe I've changed my mind. And how long is she going to walk around the apartment hoping for a stranger that she just met at the park to come get this dog that has, she doesn't, I didn't give her any money for the dog when her son needs to have lunch and go down for a nap. Right. So I thought maybe she'd like kind of walk around for a little bit, but then she's eventually going to go back into her apartment. And if I call the apartment complex and say, Hey, there's a lady there who's eight months pregnant with a brand new puppy. Um, I'm going to get the puppy from her. Do you know what apartment she's in? Like it just wouldn't work. It just wasn't going to happen like that. So I get this instinct to look online and to look on the like local KSL listing. It's like a Craigslist listing for a puppy. Oh my God. <laughs> I, so I look up Chihuahua puppy and I just had this hunch. Maybe the dog is listed online. She had literally listed the listing for this little puppy like two or three hours before. So her phone number's on there. So I get her phone number and I call her and I tell her, Hey, I can't find your apartment. There's construction. It's blocked. And she's like, Oh my God. Oh yeah. I didn't even think of, we should have exchanged phone numbers. I'm so sorry. I'm so glad you thought to look at this. So I get, <laughs> we finally meet up. I get the puppy. We go home. Home. My daughter's thrilled. My daughter's so excited. And I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing? This is, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing this. This is such a mess. <laughs> What's wrong with me? And then we get home. The dog that we did have got along well, like with other dogs inside of our house. It was just protective of anything outside of our house trying to come in. So uh, where it, what I shared earlier, that they got along just fine. They got along great. Uh so the dog still is not house trained, pees everywhere. <laughs> uh, 
And we still have that issue today. Fast forward, it's been four years now. We've still got that puppy. He's grown up, but he still looks like a puppy because he's a little chihuahua mix and he's awesome. You heard him on one of the other episodes when I knocked on the door on my desk and he thought someone was at the door. So every now and then when we get home, I see pee on the floor and it's literally right next to the doggy door. There's curtains that go by the back door and they go all the way to the ground and he will pee on the curtain every now and then instead of literally going out the doggy door that is inches away from the curtain to go pee outside. And I get so mad, so mad when he does that. If he is granted access to my daughter's room, he'll go in there and he'll pee on her stuff. And so we yell at him every time. Ew! A bad dog, bad boy. (laughs) Clean up the pee and life goes on. But I got home from yoga today. And and so now he's crated. He's crated whenever we leave the house, just so he doesn't pee on anything, even though he still pees on stuff. (laughs) I think he does it in the middle of the night. I'm not sure. I haven't ever actually caught him. Whenever I see him, he happily and freely and easily uses a doggy door to go pee. But I'm got home today from yoga and I let him out of his crate and he had peed this morning and I had to clean it up before I left. And so I said, you're a bad boy. You're, you're a good boy. You're a good boy. And then I laughed and the words and the thoughts came to my mind. You're a good, bad boy. He said, you're a good, bad boy. (laughs) And I laughed and I thought, isn't that so reflective of the type of relationships I used to choose? I used to choose good, bad boys. Like I was the good girl and they were the bad boy. Like they were the yin to my yang. And I, there was something about them. These bad boys, these boys that I knew were not right for me, were not good for me. Just like there was something about that dog. It was like, I couldn't say no to to what I wanted, to my, my fleshly desires, to my, my own wants and desires. And I I wanted everything to work out beautifully and perfectly and easily and smoothly. And life isn't like that. And I had to laugh when I heard myself say, you're a good, bad boy. And I thought, wow, that is so reflective of the type of relationships I had in the past and, and where that came from, where that stemmed from is this wanting, almost like a wanting to be like God, like not consciously, but wanting to take bad things and make them good. I knew the narcissists in my life and my past were not good for me. They were bad for me. And that's almost like I thought there was a time that I thought I, you know, because I saw the good in them and I focused on that and I thought I could be the one to change them. I thought I could be the one to to love them enough that they would begin to be loving. And I really thought that, and, and I was so attracted to these bad boys, like these, you know, boys with a certain look, boys with a certain attitude, boys with certain type of characteristics and traits, and, and really boys with a bad heart is honestly what it comes down to. I wasn't going for people in close personal relationships who had a heart for God. I I was going for people who had a heart that was closed off and walled up and and protected. And they had built up barriers around it to try and protect their own inner pain. And then within the relationship, that pain was projected onto me. And, And then it was this 
this dance of me building up my own walls and trying to protect my own heart from their hurt and their pain and the pain that I have experienced in the unconscious beliefs I developed about myself. I believe that I could never get a good relationship or a good guy or that good guys were boring or good guys were, were not worth it because they weren't the same kind of struggle or challenge and bad that I was used to being attracted to. And so I had to laugh when I picked up my dog and I kissed him and I was like, I love you all I love you, I love you. You're a good bad boy. Almost like in that like, tone that we can speak to our partners in when we're trying to be flirty or sassy or sexy. You're a good bad boy, right? And I laughed at myself and the way that I was hearing myself out loud when I was kissing my dog. And I only say that because he pees on the floor. <laughs> but it was so reflective and indicative of life life and and it's funny because god is the only one that can take bad things and make them good and he uses all the things that that we label bad or broken or unfixable and he uses them for his good for his good he's the one that turns things around and there were so many times in the, in the past where my daughter would hear me say i never wanted you to the dog right when he would just pee and poop and just be bad and i laughed when i'm like you're a good bad boy and how this relationship with this dog was such a mere relationship with the relationship that I've had with others in the past, with narcissists in the past, with myself in the past, and and how we can attach things to this and how when we attach stories to others and we're detached from God, we're detached from our story and the story that he's writing in our hearts and our lives, we, we lose focus and we lose purpose and we lose connection to the truth and the things that really matter in life. And we get so focused on the things that really don't. Does it really matter that, you know, the dog peed on the curtains and I have to wash the curtain? No. Do we have some more training to do? Yes. We're always in training. We're always on this journey to improving and to, to bettering, bettering ourselves, bettering our relationships with others, bettering our relationship with him. Even if you have a good relationship with God, it can always be improved. It can always be deepened. It can always be better. But that doesn't mean that where it currently is, isn't good enough. He meets us exactly where we are. Just like we, I met the dog exactly where he was. And, and I, it was this quote unquote, coincidence that day that that we got the dog and and that we still have him today and now he's a beautiful part of our our life and I'm so grateful for him and he's been a source of healing he's been a source of deepening my relationships with my daughter with myself he's been a source of teaching patience unconditional love acceptance just faithfulness I and mean, the dog is so faithful to us he, he loves us and we love now doing the things that we did with the previous dog hiking and exploring off leash and there there have been times where there have been instances and moments with him where uh we've had to pray for his healing a time where we were exploring and he he was right behind us and he turned around and he slipped off this ledge and fell down probably at least 10 feet below onto the rock and and I think sprained his leg. And so for several days we were praying over our dog to God for healing and, and God provided that and God provided faithfulness. He's given us opportunities and experience with our dog where we've deepened our relationship with God. And so I had to laugh when I called him the dog, a good bad boy. 
<laughs> and all of the connections it brought up to uh, past bad relationships or relationships with bad boys and my my past attraction to them. And now so much of that has changed. Now when I see those types of characteristics, uh, the posture of someone's heart and it's bad, it's not attractive anymore. It really isn't. It's repulsive. It's it's the other side of the magnet. It's the other side of the coin. You've got a magnet on one side that's attracted and connected, but if you flip one of them over, one stays the same when one remains, but you flip one of them over, you flip over the posture of your heart, and then you try to push them together, they repel. So I'm in this space now, and this is my space where the space that I desire for others who've gone through very similar experiences to be in, where when someone who is like that, you know, bad boy, bad girl, someone who has bad intentions, a bad, um, bad past in history, and they're trying to come into your heart and into your life. And you have a different heart now. You're, you're repelled by them. You are not attracted to them. There's no longer a connection. There's an understanding that you deserve better. And because of your relationship with God, he strengthens that. He gives you the source of power to understand that that's not his plan for you. That's not his will for you is to continue to repeat those same broken cycles and patterns of being attracted to people who are bad for you. He wants you to be in relationship with people who are good for you, love you, and support you. And when they also have a relationship with God, with him, then it's this incredible, powerful source of love, healing, connection, and this beautiful energy and relationship that you get to create. So that's my story of good, bad boys. <laughs> and I, I want that for you as well. I, I pray for that for you as well. If you've been related in relationships or attracted to bad people and you're like, you're a good, bad boy or good, bad girl. And you're ready to heal the places and spaces within you that repel that so that you can also experience the power and love of God's forgiveness in your heart and in your life. I invite you to invite him in today by repeating this phrase, Jesus Christ, come into my life. I hear you knocking the doors open. Come on him. Love you guys. I'm praying for you. Thank you for listening.